0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Joule, the immersion circulator for sous vide by Chef Steps. Order now at chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E.
2: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network.
1: Cooking issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of cooking issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from like you know around 12 or so to about one o'clock. Uh, uh from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, br- 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 Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, got uh, as usual David in the booth. We do not have Nastassia the Hammer Lopez because she Ooh. she might be in the middle of the air right now over the Atlantic Ocean or maybe somewhere over Europe. She was in Rome for her birthday. No, she's out. on her way back. I think, either today or tomorrow or something like that. So uh, in her stead, we have uh, Don Lee. The I decided maybe I should stop calling you since like we work together a lot. Maybe I should stop calling you evil in public. And I'm just going to go to Puppet Master. It can be evil. You you know. pre- what do you prefer, evil cocktail overlord or pup, cocktail well, Puppet the, Master? The,
3: the true evil is convincing you that it's not evil. Right.
1: That's what... Now, when you were in, let's say you're in Star Wars. And the Emperor... By the way, call in your questions to 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128. Do you really think that, like, Luke and or Anakin didn't think that that stuff was evil, what the Emperor said? That's the thing that doesn't work about that movie, when he's like, you know... Strike me down. I mean, obviously you're not supposed to. I mean, he's been, he's been treated the entire
3: time, you know, told not to do that. Yeah, Luke's from, like, these this backwaters, you know, and so is Anakin. So it's not like they grew up with, like, movies and novels, so. Well, like, they, okay,
1: know? here's where we're going to get, all, like, a hate down from people. But, like, you ever read the Old Testament? Yeah. Yeah. See, so you read the Old Testament, and you're like, hello? Like, you were there. Like, the people who were on the initial trek out of uh, Egypt, right? Right, right. Like, let's say you see the Red Sea part. You're walking on dry freaking land, right? Could be moist. Moist, right, but you're not sinking in. Right. right. You're walking right. across it, and then it closes up behind you and swallows your enemies. Right, well,
3: all the plagues before. You know, right, all that. Like, why, uh, you know, why would you make a golden calf is your question. That's right. Right. Makes no sense. Right, the guy that saved you says, you know, wait here, chill. Chill. Yeah. I'm going to go get some stuff. And it's like, no, golden calf immediately.
1: Right, but it's the same thing as Star Wars, so. Yeah. I mean, it's the same, it's very similar idea it seems unbelievable from the outside but it must be that when you're living in that time right
3: well and if you get into the like you no know, now defunct uh, expanded universe uh, the emperor was a huge a space racist
1: well first of all first of all expanded universe racist yeah he was and 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 what do you mean now defunct the universe imploded it's already uh,
3: when disney took over lucas they kind of said okay everything that's in the expanded universe not canon anymore because they're going to make. How do the they new get movies. to choose that? Wait, wait, hold,
4: wait, wait, hold a second, hold a second, hold they a second. Paid a trillion dollars for it. So what? <laughs>
1: if I pay a trillion
3: dollars, like I can't erase the Crusades. Yeah, but this isn't the Crusades. This is fiction. Well, so, it
1: is and it isn't. I mean, like you know, I'm sure some of the people that already worked on it are dead. Now their works erased.
3: Yeah, it's well, it's not part of the canon. It's part of this like legacy thing. So you know, Han and uh, Leia no longer have twins who have the Force. The Grand Admiral Thrawn doesn't exist. Wait, anymore. who doesn't have
1: the Force anymore?
3: Uh, well, they don't have kids anymore. Well, they—they well, they, they got Kylo like, Ren. It? Uh, spoilers, yeah. if you haven't seen the. Uh,
1: <laughs> this is all too confusing, Don. Like, why can't they just like leave well enough alone?
3: Well, you know, because it's Disney. It's the mouse, and he, you know, in the same way that the mouse will live forever in the copyrights and will always be putting out mouse products. Now, Star Wars is going to be there forever. You know, for the next, for the rest of eternity, there's going to be a new Star Wars property every year.
4: And the movies are like top tier canon. Like all the books, that just kind of like. Secondary, right?
3: Wait, no. First of all, let's straighten this all out, people.
4: Canon is
1: canon. There is no tier within the canon. It's all canon. Well, no, or there's it's not.
4: No, there's there's the trilogy
3: series, and no, then no, no, there's no, the stories, the side up. stories. No
1: one, no one's like, no one's like, you know what? Deuteronomy, we're going to throw that crap away, but Genesis, we're going to keep. Isn't that called the New Testament? No, we'll keep that stuff.
3: Not really. We yeah, don't keep think that stuff. I don't I don't doesn't think count this, anymore. No, no, I don't there, think Bible there analogy is Bible analogies.
1: Really whoa, whoa, whoa! There's stuff in the New Testament that supersedes some of the old stuff.
3: Right. So... That's different. Know, so they're saying, like, you know, all that old stuff, that actually didn't happen. That was a fever dream. No one
1: said that. Yeah. No one said that. 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 In the New Testament, that never happened. Yeah, but Disney's Testament.
3: saying that. You know, it's a, that was a thing. You know, people were spinning their yarns, but anyway. now this is the real thing. Anyway, again, this is not...
1: Obviously, we're not supposed to be talking about religion, and I guess not Star Wars either. And we're not supposed to be talking about... Which is
4: religion for some. It's true. Okay. Recognize religion.
1: Right. This is not a political show. Not a religion show and not a it's a family friendly show.
3: Yeah. In general. Disney. Family friendly. They are very family friendly.
1: I will not say anything negative against the Disney Corporation other than I think it's ridiculous to like add and erase stuff out of a
3: Canon. Yeah.
1: So let me uh, Dave, you want me to get the pre rollout out of the way, actually somewhat pre. Yeah, yeah, bang it out. Today's you know, the thing is, Dave, I still did you look into this. So close. We're brought to by like two two people
4: you can't be brought to by two separate people you, you can you can edit the copy on the fly if you want what well, if they brought you halfway each is this like one of those
1: footsteps in the sand <laughs> freaking things today's program is brought to you by modernist pantry providing magical ingredients for the modern cook for free videos recipes tips and tricks visit modernistpantry.com and better yet visit blog.modernistpantry.com
3: all
4: right that's beautiful thank, thank you, you. All right.
1: So, Don, you brought some uh, interesting snacks here. What do you got here? I got here a Remember, no mouth noises on air. No
3: no mouth noises. I got a couple of weird snacks from uh, Sophie's dad. And uh, the first is a sweet butter-flavored fried oyster snacks that they suggest you use instead of bacon bits on on your salads. I can believe that. I can believe that. And this is
1: from—where is this from? This is a product of Korea. All right. We'll try that.
3: We'll rip that open. We'll eat some during the break. What's the other one? The other one is some kind of, like, fried all crunchy olive. It's a sour cream and onion flavor. I don't know where that's from. But and it's named Sky Cielos? Yeah. Is that, does that mean Sky? I don't
1: know. Made by Dumet. Possibly Dumet. All right. We'll try those in a minute. Meanwhile, let's get to some questions. Uh, Do you want to take
4: a call? Or? Oh, yeah.
1: We got a caller? Caller, You're on the air.
5: Hi, Dave. This is Ron uh, from New York. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, so I have a quick question followed by another follow up question. Uh, One is I have a friend who's um, making some fresh sausage and serving it outdoors. So we want to car cook it in a combi oven. That's all he's got. He doesn't have an immersion circulator or anything like that. Wait, wait,
1: wait. Let's back up. You have a friend who owns a combi oven and not an immersion circulator?
5: Don't ask, yeah. Yeah. He was convinced that he needed a combi oven. Uh, Does this person still have a mother?
1: uh, Is this person's mother still alive? Get her to slap him. How do you not have a circulator and you own a combi oven? That's the, that might be the. – I'm going to answer your question in a sec, but that might be the most ridiculous thing I've heard in – I'm going to make up a number here – the past 22 days.
5: <laughs> I will let him know that.
1: Yeah, okay. You know what? You know what circulators cost now? Like nothing. They're like potato chips. They're like $150. And he's got a combi oven. You got some rich
3: taste of potato chips.
1: The electricity he's, bill, even on a gas oven, the electricity bill a on a combi now, oven so is going to. Like one of those nice ones. Yeah, it's going to far exceed. <laughs> but, I mean,
5: okay, whatever. Go ahead. Go ahead. Question. So, anyway, he, he's got a fresh sauce. He, we have fresh sausages that we want to part cook in the combi oven. I just wanted to. I'm assuming 100% steam. Yes. Um, I just want to know time and temperature. What sausage? follow-up um, question would be... What's, what size sausage um, how is How does the steam work oh, okay. in a combi oven when it's set under 212? So have you read
1: the... Uh, have you read... Uh, Modernist Cuisine actually has a, a, a good explanation of uh, this. Um, so... And I, I guess they don't do uh, look inside. But uh, if you have access to Modernist Cuisine, I recommend you go look at it. But basically what they do... Is it kind hey, Dave, of? I'm
5: sorry. I'm going to take this uh, question off the air.
1: I got. I got to run. Okay. All right. So uh, thank you so much. Right, no problem. So I'll I'll, ma- I'll give you the answer. So the combi ovens, uh, what they do is they inject steam into the oven, and then uh, like that kind of it cancels out over over the over the period. So the temperature actually kind of fluctuates a bit. The steam is always being created above the temperature of boiling water, and then when it goes into the oven, they just uh, don't inject enough of it to raise the uh, temperature of the oven uh, high enough and they have a giant fan and they vent out anything that they're not using to keep the – that's one of the reasons they're such monsters on electricity and one of the reasons why something like a uh, CVAP oven, while it doesn't have nearly the uh, power that a combi oven has, takes much less electricity to run because they're just maintaining it by using the Louisiana method of uh, existing, which is just constantly be soaked in water <laughs> all of the time, right? So, like in Louisiana, like you know, that's it. It's like hundred percent humidity. You live in, you know, you live in a delta. You're that's it. You got hundred percent humidity. That's what you got. And so, in a CVAP oven, if you know, if you're below, uh, if you're below. Um, The, uh, if you're, you know, if you're below boiling, they just heat the water up to the same temperature as the oven cavity, and then that's it. You're in a hundred percent humidity situation. Now, you're not getting huge energy transfer over. It's not like, it's nowhere near the energy transfer that you're going to get out of a, um, out of an immersion circulator, which is a measly $150 investment. Uh, Now, the good news about a combi oven, a real combi oven, is they do have very good energy transfer at the expense of accuracy, especially in the lower uh, registers. Now, when you have a combi oven that's going to have maybe 10 degrees, 15 degrees of swing uh, over – I forget what it is. I wish I'd known it was going to get called in because I would have just looked it up on Modernist, uh, Modernist Cuisine because they, you know, they have all the stats there. But uh, it's a good big swing, and uh, what you're looking for in a combi oven is what I would like to call the, the, the integral of the number so the, the, if you were to integrate the temperature swing over time, it would come out to be relatively even, and so then the question is how thick of a food item do you need in there before uh, it basically smooths out to being an even temperature and so whether or not that makes a big difference in your sausage is highly dependent on how thick your sausage is. Uh, that sounded bad.
3: That sounded bad. I was going to say something, but it's a family show. Family show. Family
1: show. That sounded terrible. It did. Uh, the length of your sausage doesn't make any difference in this case. It's really the girth. It's really the girth of the sausage that makes a difference. Again, family show. Wow. Uh, the good news about sausages is that there are sausages where the temperature you cook them to is, is important. For instance, let's say that you're an enemy of quality and you uh, craft a low-fat sausage.
3: Really?
1: Right. But let's say you craft a low fat sausage, low fat sausage. If you overcook a low fat sausage, it's like an overcooked hamburger. It's garbage. You know what I mean? It's like it's going to be garbage, Um, which is why you should never do that. But you can do that if you um, if you're using like low temperature cooking with kind of just a a finish off. But uh, in general, for me, like uh, doing a low temperature cook on a sausage is just making sure they're all done through without having them cook forever. And it lets you do a real fast finish, and they tend not to split as much. You tend not to explode your casings as much. So I would do, um, I typically do 140 Fahrenheit, which is 60 Celsius, and you know, you you know, depending on how thick the sausage is, you can, uh, you know, I usually put them in like an hour before I'm gonna uh, use them and then you they can just ride there for as long as you want and then you can you know if you want to if you think they're riding a long time and you think you're getting texture changes which you probably won't because remember it's ground anyway I would just you know you could turn it down a couple of notches to like you know 135 which is you know 57 somewhere like that and let it ride now, some people are going to think it's too pink on the inside at 140, but if you're actually riding it at 140, which is 60 Celsius, and then you sear them off on a grill, then everyone's going to love them.
3: Yeah, he said he was going to par-cook them, finish them later, so.
1: Yeah, so I would do that. I mean, it's enough of a cook, and then – so if you're going to cook them, par-cook them, and then chill them all the way down, and then, uh, and then like, fry them from from cold, you could go a degree – or too higher, but i really don 't think you need to i don 't I like my sausage at one forty at sixty, so you know I would test one and and see whether you like it like that mm-hmm. it 's it 's going to have shades of the pinkness will still be in the center when you roll it off and fry it but i 'm okay with that and again, it depends let 's say you 're doing those little thin Ligurian sausages they take like like no time and so you know those you know uh, even just to finish off is going to probably deep pink the, the inside but if you're doing like you know kielbasa is already cooked but if you're doing something with that form factor like a large Italian sausage and,
5: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. yeah. what you should never do with a sausage is try to grill it from raw that's a huge enemy of quality move I mean like you know the way we were always taught to do it was sausage in the pan water cover water evaporates yep you know, but the problem there is is that you're never actually gauging when it's done because you don't know exactly how long the water is going to take to evaporate, and then it spits and puts that scorching, disgusting nastiness on the bottom of your pan. You're really better off
3: immersion circulator.
1: Immersion circulator, either in oil, like oil, like oil poaching sausage is great. Beer poaching works, but the problem is is that the first, like the first, like twenty or thirty sausages. It doesn't have to be beer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the first 20 or 30 sausages taste different from the next 20, 30, 100, 200
3: sausages. That's why you need the, uh, the sausage brand Solera, New York City, you know, streetcar style. streetcar style, which you know I've,
1: I've had. I've, yeah. I bought it and I drank it years and years ago because – I forget who it was. I think it was Time Out in New York. Like, they didn't have – like, they asked me about it. I was like, have you – what, did you just go taste it? And they're like, no. <laughs> they're like, did you go t- check the temperature? They're like, no. They're like, that's why we're calling you. So I literally just went downstairs. I said, here's $5. Can I have a styrofoam cup full of your hot dog water? The guy was like, okay. And then I shoved my thermometer in it, registered the temperature, and took a sip. Yeah. So easy. It's the easiest test in the world to run. This is something I will say to people. Certain tests are just easier to run than to ask someone how to do it. Yeah. Especially if you live in New York and the hot dog cart is downstairs. Yeah. Hot dog water, delicious. Tastes exactly like a hot dog. Why hasn't anyone made that ramen yet? I
3: don't know. That sounds like an Ivan Ramen question. Yeah. yeah. But, like,
1: I mean, it's good, it tastes like hot dog. Right. So, like, everyone who gets all uh, bent about, like, you know, leaching flavor out of things and – you ever notice people get super bent about, like, leaching flavor out of things? Mm-hmm. There's no flavor being leached out of a hot dog. Now, the texture is going to be the texture of a, of a dog that has been in water, but an emulsified sausage – and I won't get into the particulars of this because then Don and I will have to find each other, one of you, and kill you because we have <laughs> – you know, we have stuff in the works. But the, the – um, the, you know, the texture of an emulsified sausage – it already has water in it anyway, and so there's no – I mean extra water, excess water in it anyway because it's a batter, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, that's been emulsified. And so there's no reason not to poach them, you know what I mean? Assuming that the flavor, the liquid that you have it in is fully flavored. Right. That was a long-winded well, – whatever. Dave, you removed our shot – oh, no, he turned our shot clock. So that the the two strange folks that are eating pizza outside can see what the the radio tells I have it on my I have it on my phone here. Oh, all right, we have a we have a ramen question. Let me see. Let's take them in order. We haven't had done any questions. We have any more callers?
4: Uh, yeah, we do actually. All
1: right, caller, you're on the air. Hey Dave, I, I just got a quick uh, comment. Actually, um, I just wanted to
6: comment that the the quality of the show uh, the last couple episodes has been fantastic. I've listened to you know all hundred or two hundred episodes. I'm I think really sorry times. <laughs> uh but uh but the, the guests recently have been doing a great job of challenging you and providing their own uh, perspective it's been hysterically funny um so i just wanted to to thank you for that and uh wanted to make a, a quick comment that um you know you often say it's a it's a family show and <laughs> i think you made that comment just now you know if you're talking about like how to use mesocelulose f50 and all the different techniques. I, I don't know that this is really a family show anymore, and I'd actually appreciate a few more uh, f bombs and, and swearing in the show. So that's uh, that's just uh, my perspective. So right. Thanks well,
1: p- for the great show. All right, point taken, but I will say this: uh, a number of years ago, uh, maybe three or four years ago, I got um, I got a, a question in, and it you know it was a question from. Uh, you know the parent of a like ten year old who, for some reason, listened to the show. Who knows why this happens? Bad, bad parenting. Bad parenting. No, but yeah, but who knows why this happens? And then I was like, oh, I don't want to, you know, because I have kids, so I don't want to. If I'm going to do something that is, you know, earmuff, let them, you know, let people let people know. But you know, if any of those that know me in the real life, right? Uh, Don, uh, I have a mouth on me. Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, you know, like, uh, uh, and, and, you know, I think Don was on, we were talking about this before in reference to, to bars and to, you know, kind of how to, how to treat your fellow employees in a professional situation, in kitchen professional situation. And, uh, I don't want the salt, salty nature of the business to change because then I would have no place in it. Right. I right. mean, like, uh, so I'm a big user and lover. In fact, my my wife gets very angry because my kids are now old enough that I started to pepper the salt into uh, my daily conversation with the kids. And she's like all, all mad about it. But, you know, I consider uh, a good, fluid rapid-fire, ever-changing burbling of curse words to be the hallmark of a smart person. You know what I
6: mean? It's I, like... I, I, I think that's right. And uh, I, I think that uh, that, that one 10-year-old's uh, experience is, is sort of... Uh, Affecting the enjoyment for all of us adults. To-
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you gotta, you have the code switch though. Sometimes you're in front of the, you know, in front of house, you gotta talk to guests, you, you dial it back. Yeah. And then when you go back to the back of the house, you are know, let loose.
1: As I get older, I think I might have mentioned this on the air, but as I get older, certain things like I've, I've like lost, I've lost, I've like lost my control. Not like yelling at people, but lost my control, like uh, in front of customers, like a couple of times, like. You don't, you know, and, and act like they're not a customer, but you don't want to do that. You really don't want to do that. You want to try to stay as, uh, you know, two zones as possible. But I will tell you this. We are thinking of doing another, Nastassia and I are thinking of doing another uh, different radio program, like unrelated to cooking issues, where we basically get to do whatever we want. So the theory of it, see whether you guys like this, the theory of it, and I should, I should get to some regular question questions, but like the theory of it is that when you go to dinner, did we already talk about this on air, Dave, or not?
4: Uh no, this is news to me. <laughs>
1: All right. So don't worry, Dave. Not not right away. But the You're leaving me? No, no, we're doing this radio show, but we're gonna do it on the network. Oh, okay. And uh uh but not related. So Don, what what do you not do at dinner? What do you not talk about at dinner?
3: Politics, religion.
1: Right. Yeah. So what I wanna do and I have ruined so many dinners in my life. Like so many like dinners. I can see that. I've, yeah, just obliterated because someone says something and I'm like, what? And then that's it. You know what yep, I mean? I what? It. And that's it. Uh, and so what? What we want to do, Nastasya and I. Nastasia and I have these arguments constantly off air too. Like half of our time is spent arguing with each other because, believe it or not, Nastasia and I are like very different. Like, I mean, I guess very. you can believe that. You don't that say. If <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, and it, it extends beyond her dislike of biscuits. But the, uh, the and coffee. It's not that she doesn't like coffee; it's that she
4: she's ambivalent.
1: It's not that she's ambivalent. She per- specifically buys crap coffee to make me feel like I'm some sort of uh, you know Sob. fancy pants. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what it is. She she would rather drink crappy coffee. She's one of those people who incorrectly believes it's more American to drink crap coffee, and to me, like that's Real everything America. I hate. Yeah, like well, that's I hate that. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's. It's bad to be snobby about coffee. It's bad to, like, look down on what somebody else likes. That's bad, inherently. Yeah, but
3: but she would also salt the earth just to make fun of you. That's
1: right. Yeah. Right. And she also enjoys, as you know, to make it back into a family show, and, yuck, yeah. yucking my yum. Yeah. She likes to yuck my yum.
4: Anyway, but, I'm sidetracking you. Go ahead.
1: Anyway, uh, so... Anyway, we want to do a show, and I'm also like, I think all of us, everyone in the country, probably, if they if they have half a brain, is sick of the echo chamber where we're all only hanging out with people that we agree with. That's why family dinners are so interesting, because you don't pick your family, they just show up, and they have different views from you, to, you know, you a lot of the time, that, you know, than you do. And so we want to have people in where we talk about food ostensibly, but then like a bad dinner conversation, it spirals off into religion and politics, and hopefully we get a good group of people together that Disagree, and then we just kind of go off on it.
3: Well, you got to really get N- Nastasha to be unfiltered, though, because she's so buttoned up on this show. Well, if we
1: get someone else who has a, who's slightly crazier than her on X, Y, or C, <laughs> View, then she will be like, "Yeah, Dave, yeah," and then I'll go like ballistic bananas you know what i mean but uh anyway so we're i
6: would would definitely watch or listen to that show and volunteer to be that third person nice all right well
1: (laughs) remember we need a good mix always needs to be people that we disagree with uh you know on the air anyway so uh, keep an eye out for it we're working on it
6: all right thanks for the great shows dave
1: all right thank you all right so uh darren wrote in and i can't remember dave whether we answered any of his questions tell me if there's a caller otherwise i'm just going to keep doing questions There,
4: there is another caller yeah all
5: right caller you're on the air Hey Dave. How are you? Doing all right. I listen, I listen to that show as well. <laughs> Good. Thanks. Um, hey, I want to ask you, I've been using um, just kind of like the crappy Brita filter for a while now, um, mostly uh, trying to get like chlorine out of the water yep. for um, home brewing. Um, and I want to try and like look into ins- like installing something in the sink. And I'm just kind of curious if you have any recommendations or like what should I be looking for in a system and like how crazy do I need to get with it kind of thing.
1: Good question. Apartment or house? Uh, apartment. Okay, you you, do, you own it or you don't own it?
5: Do not own it.
1: Okay, do you? Okay, you're. What I'm going to tell you to do is not going to damage. No one's going to know. Let me ask you this: When you look under your sink, do you see the probably half inch copper pipe coming out, or is the what's called an angle stop, which is the the thing that it, that shuts the water supply, the cold water supply off to your sink? Is it? In in the wall directly, or can you see the half-inch copper?
5: No, you can see it.
1: Oh, ha. Okay. Do you know how to use a torch?
5: Uh, no. Okay.
1: Uh, You might need to hire a plumber, or just find anyone who knows how to use a torch. The only danger involved here is that you uh, are—that you could burn your— apartment down. It's, if you know how to use a torch and you get the shielding, it's like super easy. Here's what most people are going to do. They're going to go to the, the big, their local big box store, like a Lowe's or a Home Depot, and you're going to buy uh, like a, the GE is the brand I use, water filter, and they come they're, – they're basically plastic um, canisters that uh, screw together, and they have an O-ring, and inside of it is a kind of a, 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 you know, a, a circular – a cylindrical filter. And you only need the one that does odor, which is the lowest the, – The the assuming where, – where where do you live? Sorry? What's, what city are you in? Uh, New York. OK. Your water tastes great other than the chlorine. You don't need to filter out probably lead, mm-hmm. crypto, whatever they're filtering out. You need just a like chlorine odor filter. And the reason you don't want to get a what they would call higher quality filter is you want the least restrictive filter – that does what you need because um, your flow is going to go lower and lower and lower over time. And if you're going to be doing anything with it, you want as high a flow as possible. But the classic mistake that everybody makes, and I'm looking at you, whoever was the handyman at Sombar when we tried to install our filter the first time at Booker Index, um, what they tend to do is just unscrew the the connector between the angle stop that I was telling you about and the cold water supply, and they screw a T on. The problem is, is that your angle stop is extremely restrictive compared to the half-inch pipe. And so if someone tries to use filtered water, uh, you, you you want as much – because the filter drops the pressure so much, you want as much input pressure and, and cross-section area into that filter as possible. So what he- long story, you're going to want someone to put a copper T – into your line before the angle stop, right? Uh, Install a full port. I'm going to say this one more time. A full port. Actually, you can get uh, one of these things with its own stop rod, but install a full port uh, ball valve that's the same diameter as your thing, so you can shut the system off if you need and tee it into a G, you know one of those GE. You don't need a whole house, but the whole house filters last a lot longer. So you get the whole house one because I think, what, Don, it's an extra like 15 bucks or yeah. something like that,
3: maybe. you will save so much more money on the filters.
1: Yeah, and and time and hassle. And then uh, you just run it out of that to like a, another tap that you can put into your sink. And if you don't want to put it in the sink, you don't need to. You can just have a tap underneath uh, just make sure you can shut it off because things like you don't want to pressurize something crappy like a like a picnic tap as they're called because what uh, if you're a beer person you know what I'm talking about because right, uh, they, right. they could fail at any minute and when you have something connected to city water that could fail at any minute. You have failed, you know what I mean, so uh, I would get uh, an actual like line that you can turn off and on, but that 's one hundred percent the way to go and in fact, if you get a good enough filter, you can just have that be the cold water supply for your um, for your sink, and you 're going to go through filters a lot longer, but all your water will taste good out of the cold, out of the cold water tap you The one thing like I say, I would not, if I were you attempt to run uh, a filter like off of the normal angle stop that is there it's just going to be a heartache for you you can do it it'll last for a couple of months and your water through that thing was going to be slow 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 but then it's like a 50 dollars problem if you have to hire a plumber now it's 200 more dollars Right, so right. now you're a two hundred and fifty dollar problem unless you have a buddy who can come just sweat the stuff together because we're really honestly talking about fifteen twenty dollars worth of copper here, maybe. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lifetime. I've done it in every single apartment I've been in for the past twenty years. You know what I mean? Because that's just like I can't live with that. I can't live with chlorine taste in my in my water, especially in my seltzer. And uh, yeah.
5: Right. Awesome. Thank you very much. Really appreciate
1: it. Oh, one more thing. You can get a... a a clear one and you can get the not clear one. And when you're buying the GE water filters, here's the main problem the GE water filters have that they're made out of plastic. So if you cross thread anything, they become a nightmare and they, they leak later. And so you want to make sure when you're putting the fittings into the water filters, not to cross thread anything and to be relatively gentle with the plastic so that it doesn't uh, crack. And you're going to need to be able to get the thing off. So make sure that you have good access to it to get, to remove the bottom, uh, to get it off because that, that becomes, uh, 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 a hassle and please do follow their instructions to bleed all of the air out of it before you're using it or or you know comedy ensues
3: <laughs> all right <laughs> thanks all right. a lot no problem i got a topic for you for when you get your new show with nastasia you what's gotta it? get a uh, someone to come in and talk about uh, chemtrails and how you're gonna filter out chemtrails in your water
1: what's a chemtrail
3: you know the the airplane like you know, the condensation oh the con- yeah, oh, yeah, yeah con- people who think that that's the government like you know spraying chemicals it's not
1: Okay. (laughs) Uh, Zing. All right. So, should we go to a break and then come back with some uh, questions? Uh, Yeah, let's do that. All right, cool. Right back. This episode is brought to you by Joule, the immersion circulator for sous vide by Chef Steps. If you're listening to this show, you're probably a pretty good cook. Maybe you already know that sous vide is the best way to get a kick ass juicy steak. And with Joule, a new sous vide tool from Chef Steps, you can do so much more smoky tender ribs, homemade yogurt, creme brulee, bright crunchy pickles, vibrant purees, even smooth creamy ice cream, all perfectly cooked every time. Joule is sleek and small enough to fit in your kitchen drawer, and it's operated by an elegant smartphone app that's been designed to remove the guesswork, get you cooking faster and give you the information and inspiration you want when you want it. Browse ChefSteps' amazing recipes and helpful guides. Choose your perfect doneness for any meat and get notified when your food is ready. You know you'll get great results, so you can focus on sides and sauces. Or just pour yourself a cocktail and chill until you're ready for a delicious dinner. For more information and to order yours now, visit ChefSteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. And we are back. So during the break, Don and I tried uh, the fried oysters that we told you about and the crunchy olives made by the Cielo Corporation. And uh, here's my feedback. They, they, Don hated the fried oysters.
3: I didn't hate it. I just didn't think it was good.
1: Well, so here's what I... Uh, wait, wait, you grew up in, in... Do they have crispy clam strips in LA? Not really. Okay. So if you grew up on the East Coast, you grew up with crispy clam strips. You know who invented the crispy clam strip for Hojo's? No idea. Jacques Pepin. Swear what? to God. Jacques Pepin went from being Charles de Gaulle's... Charles de Gaulle, Being his personal chef. Uh, took a job being the head chef of, as Jacques Pepin calls it, Lojo, Hojos. And one of his things, it's, it is claimed, is the, the Howard Johnson's crispy clam strip. That's crazy. Yeah. Dave, you like some crispy clam strips, am I right?
4: Absolutely. East uh, Coast.
1: Yeah. So anyway, so these fried oysters taste like... Imagine if you had crispy clam strips you bought them in the east coast you flew to uh phoenix let's say that's where you lived and you left them out on a counter in 120 degree heat and no humidity for like (laughs) a day and then you looked at them and you said i'm gonna try that that's what it tastes like no bueno why do you want that you want fresh Would you say it's an accurate description yeah they're kind of growing on me Remember, let's rewind a little bit. I'm the guy that when I worked at Domino's Pizza in college uh, as a driver, ate a pound of raw bacon because I was bored. And when they said, why did you do that? I said, I thought it was cooked. I just thought it was bad quality. So that's me. Yeah. Anyway. uh, And what do you think about the crunchy olives? Um, They were crunchy. And the inside was the inside kind was, of yeah.
3: mushy. Oh, that was interesting. It, it's well, it's a dried olive, so I don't know, yeah. it's like kind right. of raisiny texture.
1: Yeah. All right. I hear we have a uh, here we have another caller. Caller, you're on the air.
5: Hey, Dave. I just got some uh, leak-proof, reusable storage bags, and it says 100% P E V A, and it says they're B P A free. I was just wondering uh, the usability for sous vide. it
1: uh, says so it's not P E T E. What's P E? Oh, like P E T A.
5: Yeah. P E V A. Yeah. Oh, P E V A. Googling was uh, a bunch of stuff about shower curtains. P
1: E V A. Yeah. I don't know if I know that. That um, I don't know. If, hey, Don, Google up that uh, resin real quick. But um, wait, it, this is designed for food, right? Yeah,
5: food storage. I just don't know if you know. It's
4: Polyethylene vinyl acetate. In a water bath. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I've looked this up
1: if- before, but I just don't know much about. I don't know anything about that that resin off the top of my head. I it like for some reason it's like out of my head. I have no PVDE. Anyway, here here's here's my general theory on on uh, on these things on plastics. In general, there are certain plastics that um when they degrade might make things that are. I mean, what most people worry about are plastic, plasticizers and endocrine disruptors. So things like phthalates, things like uh, BPA, which is why you know, in general, a lot of people in cooking applications try to avoid PVC, um, and some people avoid um, polycarbonate that's going to go through the dishwasher because when it goes through dishwasher and when it's damaged, apparently you can get. Um, uh, BPA from it because that's you know one of the monomers I believe that polycarbonate is made out of. Although again, you're you're it's been what happens is every couple of years uh, someone asks me and I have to re up my knowledge on it and that's when I know more about it. So, um, so two classes of things, right? Uh, and so the plasticizers are in things. Uh, the reason you want to go with. PVC, it's the plasticizers that people are usually worried about. So when you're using PVC for food applications, I usually buy what's called Tigon, which is a very high purity, you know, apparently plastic you know, supposed to be plasticizer uh, leach free product. Um, in general, you want to stay, you know, with home stuff with things that are like known to be incredibly neutral, like. Um, Polyethylene, the problem and that 's why you know polyethylene wrap is so good, but polyethylene is very bad at high temperatures it loses its uh, structural <laughs> integrity so if this thing is meant for food storage, it could be that so for instance, a lot of the the uh, ziploc uh, food storage bags versus their freezer bags it's a thickness issue, so it 's more of a an yeah. oxygen permeability issue, and one of the reasons that the that those things aren 't cooking bags is because they don't have another layer of something that 's tougher, like a nylon that can Withstand like uh, a uh, you know higher temperature, uh, and so a lot of times when someone says storage, it's because they know that the service temperature of the of the uh, plastic is lower than the average cooking temperature because the, no one is anticipating um, no one's anticipating you know you low temperature cooking there's not anticipating it and that was the case with ziploc bags and so the ziploc bag they would say you couldn't cook in it because they assumed you're going to do boiling bag in it and that really is kind of above the usable service temperature of a ziploc bag and but i got yeah. the guys at johnson to you know say that
3: you know low temperature was okay what do you find on the line don very little information it's a lot of uh, housewives talking about whether it's safe for their kids and lunch boxes but it, as the caller says it's also a lot of uh, you know uh, shower curtain stuff Yeah. Yeah. So I tend
1: not to. I I don't. The answer is I don't know. I know that there's someone right now making specifically because I saw it on like Jewel, like got tweeted out to me or something like that, or somebody tweeted out someone's making some reusable, I don't know if they're silicone. Let me ask you this though Uh, Isn't reusing the bag just like super gross?
5: I mean, yeah, but I just hate throwing away plastic bags for every cook. I just feel like I'm, you know,
1: like a dirty person. Uh, No, I'm with you, but, like, in other words, like, what does your dishwasher look like and or your sink? Like, see, so, like, um, if you've ever, like, uh, pastry bags, right? So pastry bags are disgusting to wash. out. Everyone hates washing out pastry bags. And, you know, that's why you have those conical things to, to dry pastry bags. And that's why, you know, the truth is, is we all, put, like, we all put stuff, we, we you know, like at, at FCI, we're all using disposable plastic cooking bags, I mean, uh, pastry bags, even if you're only using it as a liner, because nobody wants to wash out those cloth bags. Everybody hates doing it. Um, and so, like, my, you know, my, thi- my thing is I'm just worried that, you know, people are going to be like, oh, this is such a hassle and then they're just not going to want to cook that way because they know when they're done, you know, when they're pulling service, now you have to take the bag and you have all the juices and stuff. Now you've got to upturn that bag in your sink, let it drain and wash it right away so it doesn't get all stank duty and then you've got to, like, turn it inside out and let it uh, air out in a place that's not stacked up or it's going to get moldy. So. I'd be interested in hearing as you use it over time kind of how that kind of works out because I would like to have a non-throwing-away method um, yeah. you know, to do things.
3: You're either the kind of parent that's going to use disposable diapers or cloth diapers. And if you're going to use cloth diapers, you just got to commit to it. And it's.
1: Well, the cloth diaper thing, now, again, I haven't researched this in a long time, but like, you know, a lot of people have debunked the cloth diaper because, you know, some people have argued, I don't know whether it's true or false or where it comes down, that it's just as bad to run the washing machines as much as it is to just get the disposable diaper. Right. But that, that could be dependent on where you live, right? Like, water is not in short supply here. Whereas in California, if you're running your washing machine all the time for disposable di- – I mean for uh, cloth diapers, it could be problematic. right? Yeah. So who knows? The answer is who knows. But I'm very interested to hear people's feedback, especially as I'm writing this book. I, I, I should be researching this topic more. I've been spending more time on things like the crown roasted pork recipe that I'm working on. The last one I did was slightly overcooked. Mm. Slightly overcooked. Poor um, okay. moisture management. Terrible. Well, good moisture management on the crust, but not in the interior. Right. Yeah. So again, again, overall poor moisture management. I was kind of sad. It was so close to being right. But a crown roast is very difficult to get exactly right. Because if you overcook it a little bit, it's rotten. Especially with like you know like modern pork. Mm-hmm. I was so close to it being right though. That's why I got to
3: get, that heritage pork. Got to get the good stuff. Good stuff, kids, go for. All right.
1: Anyway, please let me know what happens. All uh, right. All right. So. Dave, should I get some uh, email questions here?
4: Yeah, yeah, bang one out real quick. Right.
1: So So, um, this one, I think we answered some of these. Darren wrote in. He asked, "What happened to Indy Jesus?" I don't know. And Jack Inslee, if, if we can uh, send a, an email to Jack Insley and a- ask him to, maybe he can call in, you know, next week with the the story of Indy Jesus and what happened. Anastasia saw him on the street once, I think. Hey, what's <laughs> up? This is Jack Inslee. Yeah, that that Jack Insley, okay. Jack, Jackie Molecules. Hey, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Then my girlfriend has celiac disease uh, and now I love experimenting. I found that it doesn't mean much to replicate glutinous food. Uh, Bringing something new to the table is far more exciting and meaningful. Do you have uh, frameworks or methods that you guys like to use when working in the lab? I don't have a lab right now, but yeah, at home or whatever. uh, Developing new recipes. I'm talking inspirational, uh, variational, creative, tweaking, etc. So in general, what I like to do is I like to look at recipes that naturally don't have whatever X, Y, or Z thing is that, you know, you don't want to work with and then work from there. So like, I would look at like the panoply of naturally gluten-free, uh, food. So inherently you're like, okay, I'm going to go to like, I'm going to look at, at, um, cultures that have a corn based staple. And I'm going to look at cultures that have a rice based staple. And if you do that, there's like a zillion, a, like a bazillion things. Like, you know, I've spent uh, a bunch of time over the last year working on um, idlis and idlis are gluten-free. Uh, and so, and the interesting thing about it is that they develop, there are different textures, first of all. There are different kinds of textures you can develop, but there are also, I know you said you didn't want to do this, but there there are adjuncts that are added to things to make them act, uh, you know, hydrocolloids typically, you know, to make up for the fact that you don't have things like gluten, like witness Masa, you know, which is, you know, God's, you know, one of the proofs of God is Masa. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nixtamalization in general, or like I say, Italy's uh, in in India, but then – you know, I don't
3: know. What do you think, Don? I mean, I mean, just the way of approaching it, you have two basic ways, right? Unless you're some genius that can create things in a vacuum, you're either going to take something that already exists that has gluten and try to make it non-gluten, or you're going to find something that already doesn't have gluten and try to turn that into something that is similar to something that has gluten. Right.
1: I mean, like, the, you know, the issue, obviously, and you deal with this every day, if, you know, if you have celiac disease, it's like the secret gluten, like the gluten that's, you know, the secret gluten. There's like, uh, you know, why would you think that uh, Sichuan broad bean paste has gluten in it? But guess what? It does. You know what I mean? Like, you know, right. I mean, like that's the kind of thing you have to kind of look out for. But uh, I think any I is going to sound bad. I love stealing ideas from other cultures because they've spent, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years trying to figure out X, Y and Z with whatever they have. Right. So. Some place that didn't have a lot of glutinous, uh, you know, products with gluten in it or doesn't have a barley-based or a wheat-based uh, culture, I mean, they're going to know how to make good stuff with
3: their stuff. Right. A lot of the problem that I'm finding, though, is like with traditional Asian ingredients, especially the fermented stuff, traditionally, it shouldn't have gluten. But as a modern manufacturing process, they add gluten. They add, they add wheat because it's cheap. So usually if you live in a big enough city with an ethnic population, there's probably some grandmother that is making, like, miso or, like, you know, Korean, like, gochujang, like, red pepper paste, and not selling it in stores but has, like, some local network. Try to tap into that because then you can get some stuff that's homemade, even soy sauce that's homemade that doesn't have gluten.
1: Right, but I think... You know, I think he's also just more worried about like on the creative. So, in other words, there's two problems there's ingredient sourcing, that's like the secret gluten and things. But then there is just kind of thinking around having, uh, you know, gluten. And I think if you try to put yourself in the mindset of cultures that don't have it, you know, in general, then it becomes very easy because, you know, you're using a different palette, you're using, um, I'll give you. you, But doesn't mean you have to mimic the flavors. But you take like the structure. Like Don and I were talking. Like I have been fascinated for years. I have like, you know, for a home probably the the largest set I've ever seen of tulsoots. I have like ten of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? In in my house, uh, of varying sizes. Uh, Tulsoots, the the hot. How do you pronounce it in real life? Tolsot. All right. uh, The Korean stone bowls that are used for for bibimbap. Yeah. The stone bowl one. Yeah. Yeah. What's the other word gobdol mean? The gobdol bibimbap when they put it in the tulsot? Or is that just a word that's sure. in my head for now? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so the stone bowls, like I find are amazing, but I just steal them. And like, here's the, so here's a thief's mind, right? You go, you have the bibimbap in the tulsot, right? And you're like, oh, crispy rice, egg, egg cooks when you stir crispy rice. You need some kind of sauce because otherwise the rice is dry oil, hot bowl, rice, egg, right? Yeah. Herb on top, maybe. That's what I do. Anyway, point is that, like, that's it. Like, that's the framework. That's the symphony. That's the sonata. That is the structure. And then I add whatever I want to it now, as long as, you know, like, that's the basic structure. So that's how good thievery works. So, like, uh, uh, with idlis, I'm like, okay, it's uh, idli rice, um, uh, fenugreek, you know, uh, you know, whatever you're going to put in. And if normally you, you, uh, soak it, uh, you know, lentil, dal lentil, you mm-hmm. soak it, you grind it in a wet grinder, bought one for this purpose, right? Now you have the basic thing. Awesome. And you can, you know, any number of sauces, you know, even from breakfast, I've, you know, and they're like, I can make this into a dinner thing. Hell, I can stuff it. So I, did I talk about this on air? I do, chi- I stuff chili, and other things into the idli as though it was a steamed bun, but it's still in idli. That's good thievery. Yeah. Because you're stealing – you're taking somebody else's culture, but you're not tied to it because it's not your culture. So you can just take the structure of it and use it for other things. It's bad if you're being disrespectful, right? True. Don't be disrespectful. Don't be disrespectful. But I think uh, there's nothing I think inherently wrong with – like looking at other kind of constructs and stru- what's wrong is saying that you're doing an authentic X, Y or Z right. or trying to pretend that, you know, that, you know, you're somehow the, uh, the, the, the preacher of somebody else's culture, you know, you know, here in the U.S. That's where it goes all haywire. Right. But if you're just like, hey, I find that this technique or this structure interesting, I mean, how can anyone get mad at that? Yeah, just be a fan of it. Yeah, or like, but they, or like, don't even try your, don't even say you're trying to do that. You know what I mean? Like, don't even say that what you're doing is related to what they're doing other than this is where I stole this idea. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, a tribute. Always. 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 Hey, Dave. Uh, yes, so I got
4: one more caller, but before that, I, I got a reply from Jack Inslee. He says, tell Dave I miss him so much. And last saw Indie Jesus when he was at a cafe in Williamsburg. I will dig deeper into this.
1: We will get some Indie Jesus information, and we also miss the Jackie Molecules. Not that you're not great, Dave, but everybody misses Jackie Molecules. Understood. Yeah. Uh, Wait, so we have a caller? We do. All right, caller, you're on the air. Uh, Hello. Hey.
6: Hey, so uh, a couple of long-time listeners here. we got a quick question for you, hopefully has a quick answer. Uh, Do you have any method for quickly peeling uh,
5: walnuts?
1: Ooh, you know, my grandpa used to be able to break a single walnut in his hand. A single walnut. That's very hard. I'm just going to mention that offhand. I can break – I can crack walnuts, two walnuts in my hand. Now, when you say, uh, but not one, uh, are you saying that – but he was also a jerk, so – I'd rather have had not been not so much of a jerk and not be able to crack walnuts. Here's my question for you. When you say peel, do you mean get the shell off or do you mean to get the skin off of it?
6: I get the skin. Get the skin off of it. I
1: don't have a good technique for it. But uh, Dave, anyone – we should put that out to the – you know what? This is an interesting problem. Do you have – are you staring at a giant 50-pound sack of walnuts right now and that's why you're telling me about this?
6: Uh, no, actually it's just like a, a project that came up like a week ago that we, uh, me and a colleague, coworker of mine, we do about like, um, about 200 grams a day. Uh, and it's just like, it's so much to do in one day that we actually end up taking them home. And like, uh, my girlfriend and I have this like new thing that we do. It's called a uh, Net- Netflix and nuts where we just like sit in bed all day and watch Netflix and peel walnuts.
1: It sounds like a good idea.
3: Uh, family, show, family show, family show.
1: No. Oh, oh, Don, you had to take it there. Walnuts. We all know the joke at the beginning of uh, of uh, of the the Snoop Dogg song with the with the walnuts, and the, we all know, so We're not going to get into that. That was a Snoop Dogg song, right? Anyway, the uh, this is an interesting problem. I mean, obviously, I know how to do it for almonds and um, for whole nuts. You know what? I'm going to ask. So McGee, Harold McGee, you know, has access to these fantastic walnuts where there's no tannins in, the, in this stuff. And so you don't need to get – you're talking about getting the membrane off from the shell or you're talking about getting the tannic skin off?
5: Uh, the tannic skin.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna, he has a, an in with the walnut board. So I'm going to see if I can get in touch with McGee. I think he's back in the U S he was in Japan recently. I'm going to see if he can get in touch maybe with the walnut board and see whether or not the walnut board has any, uh, and I'm going to see someone today whose grandpa is a walnut farmer. Uh, and I will also ask him like, what's, what's going on? Is there a good way to do this? So like you can buy the extremely expensive low tannin varieties, but they're not re- readily available. Um, and they're from California, uh, but I, I'll look into it. This is an interesting problem. I don't have any answer for you right now, though. Awesome.
4: Chat room's nothing. has got nothing.
1: chatterer has got nothing. All right, we'll, we'll we'll get it going. Just keep reminding me if if you don't hear about it, remind me because I'm going to be talking to so everyone I know that's got some nut so some nut knowledge. I'm going to be pestering them when I when I hear them. That's that. By the way, for those of you that don't, that's how I operate in the real life. So like I like when I see someone, I'll be like, hey. You have any ideas on how to get this? That's how I work. That's right, John? How yeah. to bust that nut. Oh, jeez. No, you want to keep the nut whole. Keep it whole. Family show. These nuts? Oh, well, the, you know we love the these nuts. All right. So we still didn't get to... So, Dave, I know you're going to make me uh, get off the air here. Here's my question to you. Yes, this, you do
4: have to read that thing before we go.
1: That was not it, but okay. <laughs> but uh, Nastasia is going to get real mad because she was so psyched that she was going to miss the show where I was going to actually answer all the questions. We've answered like two of the many questions that have backed up. Right. Should, can we just schedule like an extra – like we're either going to have to do a no-caller show mm-hmm. or we're going to have to schedule an extra like a, where we actually finish these things off. Nastassia is going to be so mad at me.
4: Yeah. We don't want that. Um, yeah, it's up to you. I don't know. However you want to do it. I don't know.
1: Cooking issues, people. Let me know. Let me know what you think about the new show. Uh, thanks to uh, Don for coming in. And On the way out, I'm going to read uh, this Modernist Pantry rollout. You want to do it that way?
3: Sounds I good. I, I got one question one I want to leave with your your listeners. All right. So I know you don't have an answer to this or you have opinions, but I have this question. What is a churro? So, So, okay. So like, is a churro the actual, like the batter or is it the shape? It is. Well, in other words, if you were to put,
1: if you were to put meat through a churro press, it would not be a churro. Right. If you were to pour batter into oil and not through a churro press, it would be
3: a beignet or a donut. But it's a specific kind of batter. It's not your regular beignet batter or your, you know, it's just, it's like this, like, hot batter. I have
1: to look up the churro recipe. Right. First of all, let me ask you a question. Are you a fan of uh, Italian uh, Christmas pastries? Not particularly. Ooh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Well, so, you know how they have, like, all kind of, Italian has all kind of, like, cold fried things? Yeah. Like, struvoli and all that stuff? Like... Yeah, so like, but, they, and they don't want to eat it fresh. That's the thing. They don't want to eat it when I think that they should want to eat it, which right. is funny. So, churros, I like a hot churro, but on the subway, they're all
3: cold churros. Oh, those are terrible churros, though. But they sell, like, churros. That's because that's like New Yorkers who've never had a real churro. Uh, the guy selling it
1: is not, like, you know. I mean, the guy selling it presumably knows what a churro tastes
3: like. Yeah, but the guy would rather have a real churro set up and be making them fresh if he could. It's just that he's in a New York City subway. See, I don't like this. Here's my point. It's like
1: if you – people, if you are in a situation where you cannot make X product the way you want to make it, then do not make X product. Make Y product or Z product. So you do not believe that this person thinks that – the churro that he or she is selling is a valid churro. You think that it's always – you think that this person gets up at zero in the morning, loads up the big board of churros with all that plastic wrap over it and the cart, wheels it onto whatever subway line, like hauls their butt out there and sells it
3: knowing that they're selling crap. Knowing that they're selling to people who won't know the difference and that they have to make this compromise because that's the way they're going to make a living.
1: But you could sell anything. You don't need to sell churros. You okay. could sell a different product that's not garbage. Cookies,
3: for instance. You could, but that's what they sell. I, I'm not this person. I don't know. But the question is oh, again, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you like a cold donut? A you like a cold donut? Yeah, a cold donut's okay. By the
1: way, uh, Wiley's opening his, uh, his place. Uh, Do Donuts. Don't, yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah, I didn't get to go to the Friends and Family, and neither did you, because we were uh, working at Edible Schoolyards last night. That's true. But that's when Friends and Family, otherwise, we would have been there eating his donuts. I heard they were delicious. The rest of my family enjoyed them. Anyway, so look out for Wiley's Donuts opening up. But to me, the hallmark of a good donut is a donut that is good cold. Not a churro, huh? Churro has to be hot. All right. All right. Space,
3: so could, space racist. So could you, could you put churro batter into a waffle iron, and then when it comes out, like, put the cinnamon and sugar on it? No. Is that a churro? No. Could you put a churro in a tandoor, John Deragon style? No. No? No. John Deragon wants a Tandoor everything. No. Yes, but you still need
1: a fryer. You could fry the churro and then maybe reheat it in a Tandoor. How about that? Or, you know, you can't reheat it in a waffle iron because that would be. Listen, I can't go too much into the technology of waffles because then I'll be divulging things that Don and I are working on. Let me just put it that way. I cannot go too deep into waffle technology at this point. Give us like three, four months and I can go into waffle technology. but, But the origin of the churro, what is it? I will have to do more research. I have to do more research, and we'll leave that with the Cooking Issues listener. And here, thank you for coming. Here is our – I was supposed to read this earlier, but here it is. Ready? Modernist Pantry is created by food lovers and Cooking Issues fans just like you. Janie, Chris, and the Modernist Pantry family share your passion for experimentation and have everything you need to make culinary magic happen in your own kitchen. Professional chef, home cook, food enthusiast, no matter what your skill or experience, Modernist Pantry has something for you. They make it easy to get the ingredients and tools you need and can't find anywhere else so that you can spend less time hunting and gathering and more time creating memorable dishes and culinary experiences. Visit ModernistPantry.com to today, uh, today to discover why Cooking Issues listeners call Modernist Pantry the cook's secret weapon. Be sure to check out their new Kitchen Alchemy blog at blog.modernistpantry.com for free recipes, tips, and tricks. And don't forget to follow Modernist Pantry on social media to keep up with all that is new and exciting in the world of culinary ingredients and tools. Cooking issues.
2: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you.